listening and or subscribe to the Grime America Newsletter. We all come in thinking that, you know, if only the other person would do X, Y, and Z, our relationship would be so much better. And, uh, and, and that would be nice, but it's usually not feasible. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grime America Show. We are going to be chatting with friend of the show, David Feldman, a little bit later from good old Chicago, Illinois about uh, relationships and being a better person and all sorts of fun stuff like that. Uh, That's a good one. Of course, if you want to skip ahead of that, there's always a timestamp in the show notes, or you can just skip ahead if your podcast player supports that, and I'll take you right to the interview if you don't want to listen to our bullshit. We got uh, everybody's favorite podcaster here, Graham Plain Jumper Shifter, Plain Shifter Dunlop. Yeah, 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 Shifter. Hey, buddy. How's it going? Good. How you doing? Your hair is rather unkempt. You growing it's it up? It's Sunday, man. I got a beard and yeah. my hair's all over. And yeah, man, just you know, your beard is coming so fast. Eh? You should grow it in for a couple of weeks. I, you know what's weird? I pictured uh, myself as uh, growing the, a Christmas beard <laughs> one day, maybe. No, I can't do it. it. It gets. I can't even get past that itchy stage. It drives me bonkers. I actually it's really, uh, it just like I'm just like scratching my neck completely. You just want to shave the neck. No, no, no. It's still under the chin. It's yeah. still there. It doesn't just go away. I was away growing my beard away. out, and then the other day I was trimming too far. So then you just try and line it up on this side. And yeah, you look just, good clean shaven. It though. was just too should, far, so I just shaved it yeah, off. You should, yeah, you should, you should, you should do shaving every day. No, that's not going to happen. <laughs> There's no way. You're lucky if I can shave once a week. Yeah. I'm more like a once a month or every, maybe twice a month. So this is a great chat with David. We talk about, uh, you know, relationship advice in this age of polarization too. Um, I could go beard without a problem if it wasn't for the like unkemptness of it all. You can't just switch topics with me. eh? You just got to just ignore what I say. You got to segue right back. You just got to segue better. No, I'm no. sick of talking about beards. I want to move uh, on. Okay. I don't want people. <laughs> Now you know how I feel about COVID. <laughs> hey, by the way, okay, Bio we do way. we do get a, a little bit into COVID when David we talk about it a little bit just because it comes up. It's not the main focus of in it, passing. but we talk about not talking about it really. Yeah, and we're not going to talk about it on this intro. We're going to save it for the next intro because we got Dr. Pam Popper coming on this week, and that'll be released right away. And she's got a book coming out about COVID. So that'll be more of a COVID thing. We'll save our intro. We'll save our, our masks. I've got some emails and some listener feedback about the masks and COVID. So we'll save that for next episode. Do you know that the studio pot plant is taller than you are? Yeah, probably. Yeah. How does that make you feel? I don't give a shit. Is it a hate crime? I don't know because I'm not a, Oh. I'm not a... Me mentioning it as the hate crime. It's not a hate crime, because oh. being short is not a... What do you call that? Protected status. I'm not a protected... Yeah, it should be, but it's not. So who decides this? You're not a protected group. I'm not a protected group, even though I get... I get 
what do you call it, discriminated against all the time, you know? All the time? The tall, the tall people are the CEOs, right, of the world, not the short people. Are they? Very rare. Yeah, you should see the stats. I'm just kidding. Are you making stuff up? I'm making stuff up. I bet you, I think, no, I've heard some of it before. But. Joe Rogan's pretty short. He seems to be doing all right. Yeah, he's doing okay. Yeah, he's one of the rare ones. <laughs> you sound like, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You sound like you're discounting short people. <laughs> no, <laughs> obviously there's a lot of Self-hate. famous short people. Steve Nash. Oh, he's, dude, he's like 5'8", five, 5'10", five, probably. That's short. No, it's not. 5'8", is not short? No, of course not. 5'4", like, you know. How tall are you? 5'6". 5'6". 5'6", with your hair spiked? Yeah. Is that why you're growing your hair out? Yeah. A couple inches? Yeah, it gives me, put the platform shoes on. So yeah. why'd you, what, what's all this about the height? I mean, let's just get onto the topics. Oh, I don't know. You got to mention, uh, before we forget, you got to mention sacred geometry. Oh. Mention that. Oh. Talk about Randall, because we're going to hopefully do a swap cast with the Snake Brothers. The Cosmographia oh. swap cast. Why do I always call them Snake Brothers? The Brothers of the Serpent, to be accurate. Well, I mean, they, they market Snake Bros pretty hard. Okay. So it's that's not, why. That's yeah. not an insult or anything. Like no, no, no. Snake Bros do it. Okay. I mean, their names in the chats are Snake Bro Russ and yeah, Snake Bro Cow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Randall. We do another show with Randall. Of course, we postponed that other Scablands event. We'll be over now. We'd be getting right. ready to leave for Utah right away in a happier time. Uh, we've postponed that stuff till April and May now. May 10th to 15th, 2021, will be the Scablands tour. April, I forget, 8th to 11th, I think. Yep, it's the 10th. Is the it's, Utah. Yeah, yeah. It's the Utah event now. Uh, I've managed to redo the venues there. Which is good news. And Ronald Carlson, we're going to do a big swap cast here with the Cosmographia crew, which will be fun in a few weeks. But Randall did ask us to mention um, that he is, he is not associated with Sacred Geometry International any longer. There has been some cease and desist going on, I guess, because this has been going on for a few years. And he just wanted us to mention on the show that if you do buy anything from Sacred Geometry International or anything like that, Randall never sees any of that money. So you're not supporting Randall's work when you buy anything on that website or anything like that. If you do want to find a way to follow Randall Carlson, go to randallcarlson.com. I think that's, make sure it's .com. Type in Randall. I'll put that in the show notes anyways. Uh, He's got his new website that is wonderfully put together. Is it RandallCarlson.com? I don't know. I'm not on the internet right now. I'm not on the browser right now. So, oh. You want me to go do it? I'll go do it. I just have okay. a lot of tabs yeah, opened up go ready for this go, meeting. Go or do for it. This. So, yeah, he's got the new website, RandallCarlson.com. He's got everything there. It's got links to his podcast, which is still coming out weekly, Cosmographia with a K. Uh, so that's happening. Of course, they've got a... Patreon, if you want to support his work over there. But like I say, RandallCarlson.com, Cosmography is the podcast. There's a YouTube channel of the same name, and that has links to his website, to his Patreon, if you want to support him there, and all all that good stuff. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. Cosmographia, RandallCarlson.com with two L's on the Randall. That's why I didn't yeah. reach it at first. So there you have it. So yeah. Um, Anyway, if you want to, everything Randall Carlson is there, and just know that you are not supporting his, him in any way when you when you buy stuff from Sacred Geometry International. That is just going into other people's pockets. 
Um, it hasn't always been that way, but it's been that way for the last couple of years. So anyway, should I play a jingle for you? Yeah. Well, I got, uh, I got, I do want to talk about, I've been putting it off for a couple of weeks now. Your oppo? The operation project. Yeah. There's some weather modification, geoengineering stuff I want to talk about. Oh, how do we get in touch with Jim Lee? He was in the chats, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. I think I have his number. I'll text him. Yeah. We got to have him back on the show. There's lots going on in that area. Oh, and I have a clip too. Do you got a clip cord for me or eventually? We're going to have you earn the clip cord. The last clip you played is actually pretty good, I think, right? What's that noise? Looks military to me. Definitely military. Probably classified too. Dish fire. Prism. Sentry Eagle. Sigma. Mannerkin. Artichoke. MK Ultra. This is the best jingle. Operation Project. So, I've been I've had a bunch of geoengineering ones lined up, but this one was the silver line had silver lining project in there, silver lining operation, which was obviously to do with the clouds, lining them with silver. Uh, well, okay, yeah, kinda. So they changed the name of How it. How did I know? They changed the name of it to Marine Cloud Brightening, so MCB. And uh, there's a whole bunch of, let me just find uh, which one. Silver here. Lining is a way better name. Well, no, because they, they don't want to. Uh... Yeah, it is. Yeah, because they're, they're trying to stop global warming. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the silver lining and spraying <laughs> shit in the clouds is supposed to be keeping the earth cool. I just can't get over it. So I'm going to play a clip. Oh. Yeah. And it's just, uh, it's just a small clip. That's what she said. And there was this geoengineering... Uh... Is this another podcast? Oh, you play another podcast no, no, no. on the podcast no, no, again? No, 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 This is just some... Uh, this is from... So I got a couple websites to, to, to focus on here. One is Geo- Geoengineering Monitor, Marine Cloud Brightening Project, uh, Geoengineering Ex- Experiment Briefing. And then it talks about this. The budget for this thing was $16 million dollars. Um, the Marine Cloud Brightening Project, MCBP, aims to test the premise that spraying a fine mist of seawater into clouds will make them whiter, reflecting more sunlight back into space. So it's a form of solar radiation management, which we've all heard. And it began with indoor development of these spray nozzles, and then it moved to a larger scale of, of uh, doing it from the sea. There's a quote here, and it's a terrible quote on, on an analogy of this. We could consider the climate system as a piano in which the spray regions are the keys, some black, some white, on which a wide number of pleasant or less unpleasant tunes could be played if a pianist knew when and how hard to strike each key. <laughs> That's from Steven Salter. I mean, can can you imagine the guy's name is Steven Salter and he wants to spray sea, salty seawater up into the clouds? Why would he want to do that again? What? I mean, because we're boiling. The, the, the Earth's on fire, dude. Water is the biggest. Water vapor is the fucking biggest warming greenhouse gas. This is a terrible idea. It's going to cause the opposite problem. It's going to cause it to heat up. Good. I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're. You're onto that. There's also a. There's also an actual company, Marine Cloud Brightening Project. 
company. Oh, I just, there's so much information I here. I can get on board it's, with brighter clouds. Just, I mean, this is a business idea. We should invest. No. If people can't might do want it. shinier clouds for their wedding. Can't do it. Designer clouds. Designer clouds with <laughs> words and everything in them, right? Who knows? Designs, sacred pink, geometrical designs. Turn in them. pink and turn into a heart in yeah, the wedding. There you go. Maybe your baby's born, they're blue. It's a boy. Oh, maybe you have gender neutral clouds up there. We could do like some grays or some oranges. Okay. Yeah. Okay, here, I'll play the clip and then we'll get, I'll get into Our colors gendered? Our culture makes them that way. Our culture is just so worse. Yeah. Do is use a fleet of futuristic cloud seeding yachts which atomize seawater and then spray this fine vapor into the clouds, making them denser and more reflective. If we can see the clouds on a global scale, uh, the uh, effect can be a major cooling that could compensate for global warming. waves behave that gave him the which actually pushes under you skipping the water more a lot of air yeah are you just which watching rises now? to the surface again <laughs> as bubbles and that's they found that by firing tiny particles of silver iodide into rain-bearing clouds they could induce rainfall Stephen Salter has been working with clouds since the 1980s but the challenge now for him and John Latham was to figure out how not to make it rain but to increase cloud cover. Steven Salter has designed a remarkable vessel. We've reproduced it here with computer graphics. It's designed to deliver the tiny droplets needed to boost the clouds. So that's enough of that. Totally. Give me but, my cord back. But you know, this is it's to me, it's just more of a pet, it's a pet peeve of mine, this whole thing. And I just I just wanted to talk about it because. Like you said, right? Who knows what the effects are going to be of this, right? Oh, so they're yeah. talking about globally seeding the clouds, making sure that it doesn't rain everywhere, but it brightens the clouds enough to cool the earth down. And I mean, if you watch some guys like Tony Heller and these guys that deconstruct this global warming issue, like even in, in California recently, they're lying about the record temperatures. You go back to the late 1800s and there's temperatures that are hotter. So well, it's I just can't I can't get on board with the whole all these millions and millions of dollars going into this geoengineering projects for global warming when we don't really have a gra grasp on what's going on. I mean, the sea level rose 300 feet 11,000 years ago, 12,000 years ago, right? 400. Pretty quick, 400 feet. That's, and we're worried about the stuff that's happening now. I mean, it just seems way out of control. You've got all these projects going on. Like, this is just one of many, many. So I go to our favorite um, weather, uh, weathermodificationhistory.com, which is Jim Lee's site. And it talks about the silver lining project and marine cloud brightening. And, it, and he's got a list here of all the geoengineering programs. And it's mind-blowing. So there's... there's uh, <clears throat> Stratospheric particle injection for climate engineering, SPICE. Um, it attracted a forceful protest campaign from NGOs such as Friends of the Earth and ETC Group. A petition signed by more than 50 organizations was handed in the same day. So they had to pause this project. 
So a lot of these aren't, you know, they're not going over, right? There's the strato shield hose to the sky could reverse global warming. I mean, they're talking about putting a hose to the sky with this big sort of kite thing to, to spray shit in the atmosphere. I got hose in different areas. <laughs> 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 oh, there's a there's a Haida salmon restoration project. There were the dumping iron in the ocean to save fish and to capture carbon. What could go wrong? What could go wrong with these things? Like it's just mind-boggling to me. So he's got I'm going to put all this in the show notes. There's so the the, the other thing is Bill Gates funding these studies too. Pfizer. Grants for these geoengineering programs, uh, research are provided by the university of Calgary. So right here in our backyard as well. Cause that David Keith guys from here from gifts made by Mr. Bill Gates from his personal funds, the activities of the funds for innovative climate and energy research fall outside the scope of activities of the Bill and Melinda Gates foundation. So I'll just fund it personally. Pfizer is not a foundation project that has no relationship with it. The fund has supported research in a wide range of areas. Some examples include understanding carbon dioxide emissions associated with international trade in goods and services, developing technologies to capture carbon dioxide out of the air, and climate modeling to understand possible environmental consequences of solar radiation management. Well, I'm glad he's funding for all these models to be done to show the, what the effects of all this is going to be. Bill Greats. So David Keith's Strato Cruiser geoengineering, geoengineering SRM field test. It's going to spray a fine mist of materials. Well, it's not going to. The initial engineering test would spray a fine mist of materials such as sulfur dioxide, alumina, or calcium carbonate into the stratosphere. I don't know. It'd be it's interesting to find out what those are, where those particles are coming from. If they're like waste from other industries. Oh my God. How did you know? There was uh, I saw a video about that. So, okay, let, let me get to that in a sec. Powerful industries trying so, to monetize their waste. So somebody That's did. That's what the oil company did with plastic and shit. So the, okay, exactly. So the medical medium. So my friend Celia from our CE5 group in Calgary here, she forwarded uh, me this video about, about chemtrails. And it was the guy who's talking about exactly that. The chemical industry since the early 1900s had to find where, all, all, where to put all this waste, like tons of waste. And they were putting it into the rivers and the oceans, and they had to stop that. So they started using old tanker planes. This is the hypothesis. And just spraying it out into the, into the atmosphere. Like, and it's to, honestly, it's, it's a better idea than sending it in directly into the waters because it has a chance to to mist out and spread out everywhere. So you're not just like loading it up into the rivers or the streams. So apparently better idea. And he's a medical medium. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause he's like, you, you can't change it. You have to just accept that there's chemicals everywhere in the air and it's being sprayed because they, ha- they don't have anything else. They can't do anything else with it. You can't stop that industry. It's massive. Put it in barrels and do well with it. I mean, Wait. it starts, it starts fucking forming shit. What kind of shit? Like creatures? Like maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember the name, but it's it doesn't just sit inert, right? It it fucking does stuff. So you have to 
fucking spread it out or what's well, the word i'm thinking disperse. Of, right? disperse this is a problem we so be what better way stuff. just put it in the planes no no there's, there's and no, just no, spray no, no. it no, no. <laughs> and then turn it into solar radiation then they management should have to use the money make spend some money and blast it off into space oh and then then we're going to be invaded for people that don't want their shit in space i mean the then the aliens will really come down on us i mean you're going to start throwing that stuff in space actually i thought of that too i mean what what's what what's left, right? Or the inner earth, maybe? So it's like fluoride, right? Fluoride's the waste product from what? Aluminum, isn't it? I don't know. And they had to find a find a use for it. So sell it to all these pe- places so they can put it in our water. I know if you think the government cares about your teeth, when in most countries dental's not even something that's covered, you're fucking crazy. Yeah. Why haven't they outlawed fucking Sugary drinks, yeah. Yeah, high fructose. Which is causing problems for your teeth and your heart and obesity, causing the medical system money, all that stuff. But they don't care about that. They just care about your teeth. But I do think that you're onto something with the with that. And and I've, I've, I, did, I haven't really heard that chemtrail explanation in that context, and it does make a lot of sense. Like, they do have a shit ton of chemicals to get rid of. So... I mean, I think That's they've, and I think they've problem. probably tried, tried, you know, using that uh, for a different purpose as well, which would be solar radiation management. You know, maybe they inject silver iodide or these other, other things, boron or whatever the other massive chemicals are that people see. Maybe they help, you know, they supplement them so that they can start cooling the earth. Maybe. But I mean, should we even be cooling the earth? I mean, really? No, I would argue no. The temperature has fluctuated massively in the past. Terrible idea. One of the worst. And you know what happened when it was cool before, cooler. It was a nightmare. It was a the dark ages. Nightmare. Like the dark ages, man. We only finally started coming out of that when the weather changed. I mean, talk to our buddy Randall Carlson. Real? I'm, I'm not sure anymore. <laughs> Tartaria. Did you listen to that Tartaria stuff? No. Where would I listen to that? Um, Tinfoil Hat. Our buddy Sam Tripoli. That I'm not, I'm not, does I'm not, fascinating. I'm not, I'm not there yet, but I'm slowly, slowly just listening to it to see what, what's up with it. The, the interesting part is the Pompeii. The Pompeii evidence is kind of interesting. What's that? We should do a show on this. Yeah, we, let's not Sam. talk about it now. But I'll text Sam and get Buddy's info. Yeah, the two guys, the latest two guys. He's had a bunch of different people on, but talk to me before you you find you ask who. You text yeah, me the names. I, I will. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, anyways, on this, there's a there's a list of weather modification programs that are. Oh, this is just from Weather Modification Inc. projects, actually, and their clients and projects all over the world. There's. A whole list of them in the United States. There's probably like 50 of them, 40 or 50 of them. They're all over the world. They're all listed here. It's uh, global weather modification projects are listed here. I mean, it's it's Texas. Texas alone has a whole whack in them. Every year they have a bunch of them. It's just mind boggling. It's 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 overwhelming, really, the amount of them that are going on. So that's what bugs me about. Global warming and all this, they're tying this into COVID now too. And, you know, meanwhile, they're out there fucking with the weather. Meanwhile? Yeah. I mean, just in Russia alone, like 40 years ago, millions of hectares. Did you say meanwhile or meanwhile? Meanwhile, that's a good one. I like <laughs> yeah. that. Have you ever heard that before? That, no, that should be the name of the 
We should make that the name of the chat room room. Meanwhile in Grimerica. Meanwhile. Speaking of chat. Stop on by, stop on by. Stop on by, stop on by. Stop on by, stop on by. Hello, Mr. Grimerica Chats. Yoo-hoo! There you have it. Wow, what you got? What you want to do next? I don't know. Do you want to just go? You want to stay away from the big UFO email? I got a, I, how much time do you want to? Because I could save that for another uh, another episode, and we could just I could give some feedback from our Dirk Walker episode about the healing from cancer. Uh, well, let's start with this. This is for the UFO email. Oh, for the UFO email. It was like, didn't you notice it was like the original? I did, yeah. So this is uh, this is really interesting. <clears throat> so, hi, Graham. I wanted to share this with you now that summer is over and I won't be outside as much to do any viewing. Please keep in mind I've had a telescope since I was a kid. I'm 45 now. So I've gone star watching countless times. What I'm about to tell you I've never seen before until this year. I know you speak of flash bulbs, and I don't know if this is the same thing, but I've seen this happen on many different nights this summer. I've seen quick pinpoint spots of lights flash in different locations in the sky. They look like stars that flash on and off, like something hitting a switch. Sometimes they're around Jupiter and Saturn. Most are around Vega and some low on the horizon to the north. I've seen them from 9.30 p.m. all the way till after midnight. Most of the time they are stationary and will flash between two to seven times. A few occasions I've seen the flash happen two times, then they, the, it lights up and moves, then fades away. Twice I've also seen some of them at the same time in two different parts or in different parts of the sky once they both move and the other time they seem to be stationary. So I'm sending a couple links to you. One is this Reddit link. Um, I don't know if I want to read all that. Uh, there's there's a guy trying to say that most of these are satellites, but he's very skeptical of it. The other two links are YouTube videos. Now, first one is of an iridium flash. This is a flash certain satellites make when the sun hits them. As you can see, they're clearly moving and go dim to bright and then fade out. This is not what I'm seeing at all. There is no flash and it's moving too slow. So he sends another... Um, YouTube video. The second video is of a flashing object that some guy took. I'm sending you this because it looks similar to what I've seen, but not exactly. What I really want you to look at on this one is the comments. There are over 600 people who are saying they have noticed this flash in the sky. And the comments are recent, like most within two to three years. Something is catching people's attention. I really hope what you get a chance to look at is what I sent and discussed on the show. I'm curious to hear if your flash bulbs are similar to what I've seen. If you want more information, I'd be happy to talk over the phone or email so I can explain in better detail. I really want answers as to what these are. So I'm hoping you can talk more about it and other people can share their sightings and we can learn from this. Thanks, Graham. So the, first of all, those two YouTube videos were fantastic. Like as far as like videotaping the sky and the stars and flashing points of light in there and these objects, it's amazing. It's amazing videos. And yeah, we've seen them very Is it similar. A flash bulb? Same thing. Uh, it's like a tiny flash bulb. So, but I would say like the first two flash bulbs I saw in that group of uh, when I was out with CE five. And this is the weird thing to me is 
if I'm alone and I'm looking at the sky and I'm, I could even be asking for a sign or flash bulbs or whatever, just to see what happens. Nothing ever happens when I'm alone. When I'm at the CE5 and we do our meditation and we look up there, the flash bulbs come. So kind of hard for me to say they're just satellites when they only show up when we're, when I'm doing a CE5 and these flash bulbs I've seen are bright. Like I've seen ones that are small, 10 times uh, the brightest star maybe. But these ones I've seen that are bigger can be like a hundred times or a thousand times bigger than the brightest star, like flash bulbs, like not a flash point, but a flash bulb. Thousand times. Yeah. Those ones don't repeat. Like you'd see one, one, another one, but, but the, uh, but I do also, I've seen these ones that rotate. They're like a craft wobbling through the sky with, and it's shining like almost like an iridium flare type thing. Um, I've seen those as well quite a bit. And then I've seen a shooting, I've seen one go all the way horizontally across the sky, like a light skipping across the water. Hmm. I don't even know what, what that was. That was that time we were out Southern Alberta, out at the red, the red, red rock coulee kind of area there. Ooh, where's that? Yeah. You'd, you'd like that. Um, it's fantastic. I'll show you the, I'll show you the pictures. I love the coolies. Just south of Medicine Hat? No. Uh, well, I'm going to head out there actually this year yet. Oh, south of Medicine, Medicine Hat. Hat. Yeah, south of Medicine By Hat. Elkwater yeah. Lake. There's um, a Cypress Hills out there. I'm not sure. It's 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 pretty much, I think it's directly south near the border, on the way to the border. Yeah, the Cypress Hills Provincial Park's like 30 minutes south of Medicine Hat. Yeah, I think. it's gorgeous out there. I think there's wild turkeys. That's the there. time when we were out there for C5, we saw like 60, 70 objects. Like, there are different things, you know, from flash bulbs to those shooting star type things that I saw going horizontal. Huh. To, uh, I mean, some of them have answered. Look, when I answered, when I asked the question that night about whether those fast walkers are like the secret space program stuff, flashbulb. Answer me. Crazy. There you have it. And I noticed in the comments on that YouTube video, crazy, like hundreds of people seeing the same thing, like just one after the other. And one guy said it was, um, oh man, I meant to save it. It was a plasma, some sort of plasma thing from, from the, the, uh, basically the space force planes that are up there changing position. But only when you ask them to. Thanks. <laughs> Uh, you want to do Dirk Walker email? Uh, anyways, yeah, sure. So thanks for the email about that. I mean, uh, I love it. I love the... the it's the, the season now it's where really it's dark interesting. early enough yeah. again to actually do yeah. some sky watching. Yeah, it's really interesting to, to see so many people. I mean, so I do think something is going on way more than there was. I mean, whether that's terrestrial, secret space program, new technologies up there. When we used to look up at the sky in the 90s, we never saw... Nothing. It was, it was, there was no activity. Are you guys getting ready to go see SETI in again? No, uh, maybe. In, I think they're going in October. Actually, maybe I'll go. I'm more likely to run into Bigfoot these days and possibly shoot him or her. You can try, buddy. You can't do, you can't get him. What are you going to do when I call you up and I'm like, bro, you can't, you, you got to get can't, out here. It's I impossible. can't get this Bigfoot in the back of it's the truck impossible. by myself. No, no, no. Dude, you don't want to <laughs> shoot Bigfoot, man. You can't, you can try, but Another edition of wouldn't it be something if I got you like an actual, I'll get it taxidermied so you have an actual Bigfoot costume for Halloween. I'm not, I would never wear that. 
Yes, you're not, you're not going to kill. You, you can try all you want, but he's not going to. When you look it in the eye and you realize it's more human than animal, you won't do it. Maybe it's a and then when you try, it's just going to skip through dimensions and avoid your bullets, dude. You're not going to get it. I'm yeah. telling you, don't even try. It's bad karma to even try. Just when you see it, just let it go quietly. You won't even, you won't even see it because he yeah. won't even show himself to you because you got a gun. All right. Ugh. <laughs> we managed to get Graham flustered. Hi, Darren and Graham. I just finished listening to your show with Dirk Walker. Thank you for letting him share his story and journey. I feel very much akin to him. Over six years ago, I was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer. The doctor's recommendation was the standard cut, poison, burn. I knew that chemo would kill me. And if it didn't kill me, I didn't want to live with a mutilated body and permanent side effects. After much contemplation, meditation, and prayer, I realized I was more frightened of the cure than I was of the cancer. I walked completely away from allopathic medicine and took a natural approach to regain my health. Once I made the decision, the synchro started happening immediately. People, opportunities, and information came to me at the exact time I needed them during my healing journey. There truly is a higher power, a team actually looking out for me. And Dirk is right. A huge part of the healing is the mental shift. Once I took ownership of my situation, I knew that I could reverse it. If you could forward my email to Dirk, I greatly appreciate it. There are not many people in this world that have walked the path that we have. It would be great to connect with someone who gets it. I love your show. Thank you for doing what you do. Anne. Awesome. Thanks good to for the hear. email, Anne. Yeah, good to hear from you. Here's some good and, vibes uh, to, you, to you guys, hoping that cancer stays away. Yep. If Maria supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> 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 Accidentally hit the other button. <laughs> you know what everyone's favorite jingle actually is, though? What? Graham is an all-in believer in chemtrails. Chemtrails. That's the one we've got the most requests for as a ringtone. Oh, all right. So you're going to guess this one, Darren. What? Darren, can you guess it? I just copied that today. I just tried to fix this problem. Okay. The New World Order cannot happen without U.S. participation, as we are the single most significant component. Yes, there will be a New World Order, and it will force the United States to change its perceptions. Oh, I love that quote. Kind of what's happening it? now. What? You think yeah. I'll guess it? It's one of the four big ones. Uh, I'm going to go with Alex Jones. Henry Kissinger. Son of a bitch. The World Action Council on April 19th, 1994. I feel like I should have known that. Yeah. I was going to give you more information, but so there you have it it's coming to fruition. It well, says this jingle is 35 seconds long. 
profound quote of the week. Darren, can you guess it? There you go. It's That's weird. This time. It's so did it? Profound quote of the week. Did the thing just pop out or something? No. Uh, maybe I just. Can you guess the human who spoke it or wrote I'm it just... down? Yeah, the other one said it was the same length. Just didn't want to work. There you go. There you have it. Uh, support the show. America.ca slash support. If you can, when you can, if you're getting some value from the podcast, uh, the only way we can do this podcast, keep doing them, we'd like to do more of them, is uh, if we can get lovely people like you to step up and support the show, throw some value, decide what the show is worth to you. Um. Because if it's worth nothing, then maybe it just won't be here one day. Luckily, there's a bunch of people now that think it is worth something. Almost a 1,000 of you were creeping up on that 1,000 supporter level, which would be a bit of a milestone. So support the show if you can. A monthly is great. One-time donations are fantastic, too. It all helps out. Grimerica.ca slash support. And so we keep it your show. We don't get in bed with the advertisers or any of these other people, and we just try and... Keep uh, accountable to you guys. America.ca slash support. And if you can't financially do it, there's other milestones we're trying to reach as well, right? Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're almost at 10,000 there. We don't focus on it really, but it is our platform to stream on for now anyways. And join the chats, right? You're almost at 1,000 there as well. 1,000 reviews on iTunes we're trying to get to. We're almost there. So a bunch of little weird milestones coming up. YouTube's at 9,500. Ooh. I'm getting close. I'm just checking the chats now. Grimerica.ca slash chats, of course, to jump into the chats. Get your uh, This Is Bullshit mask from Grimerica.ca slash swag. Goes to Redbubble. Ooh, so we're getting closer, too. Yeah, we're getting close on all fronts. Yeah, Grimerica.ca slash swag to get all that Grimerica merch. Working on a hat shop should be coming soon. We'll have toques and baseball caps and stuff like that. Really? Yeah. In Red Bubble or? I don't think it'll be in Red Bubble. Oh, okay. Huh. We'll decide on whether or not we're going to switch the whole store just to a hat provider. We might have an in house hat guy, though, that's willing to just do hats and stuff. Actually, so we might have a guy that's just a shop, a shop in uh, the U.S., friend of uh, our friend B Strat. Mm-hmm. that has a shop that might be interested in um, partnering with us on swag. Oh, okay. And taking care of everything the way Redbubble does and us kind of being their first kick at that. Oh, wow. Jeez. So maybe being able to get it on the ground floor with someone who's doing it for us and this would be sort of their entryway into hopefully doing it for other people like that. But they also do hats. So this is the thing. We've been trying to find some hats, get some hats going. Anyway, uh, I think that's about it. You got anything else? That's about it. All right. We hope you enjoyed our lazy ramblings. And more than that, we hope you enjoy this chat with the wonderful David Feldman.
we're going to switch gears a little bit tonight. Talk about probably the two most important things, relationships and communication with uh, marriage counselor David Feldman. He's got a, a podcast as well and a blog on his website, davidfeldman.com. And his podcast is called uh, Impassioned Marriage Podcast. So, yeah, this is uh, important work. We, I think we've talked to you before, David, uh, on another show, but it's great to chat with you again. So welcome to Grimerica. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Um, it was We had a great time last time, so I'm anticipating some more good thoughts. Yeah, for sure. And Darren and I are both, you know, we, we do, you know, we think this is important, communication, working on relationships. I mean, no matter what. Uh, we're always working we're, on our relationship. Yeah, what we're learning about <laughs> or whatever. I mean, isn't that the foundation of, of everything, right? Communication and, and, and working on our relationships. Um, if you want to have a happy, meaningful life, it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I definitely, I mean, it's, uh, there's so many different ways to, you know, slice up a successful relationship. Uh, communication is definitely a big factor and working on yourself for sure. Um, you know, your entire edifice as a, as a, as a person is, is surrounding your family and, the relationships that you have. So uh, any effort you put in is a tremendous investment in yourself and in your legacy and your children and, and your overall happiness. So yeah, I agree. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. So I did want to, I think we should start at, at an important, important thing that's happening right now. And probably in a lot of relationships as well. I mean, I've been following this doctor and I, and I don't want to get into the, I don't, I'm not trying to get into the COVID thing here, but to use yes, it as yes. an, no, 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 no. To use it as an example of some of the challenges that are happening in relationships right now. I mean, what, what do we do or can, what are some tips about the way things are getting polarized in our society? And what if we end up on, on the opposite poles in these relationships of worldviews, whether it's about, you know, whether you're scared of uh, COVID as a virus or you're scared of the tyranny that's happening because of it, or, you know, you think masks work and they don't. I mean, there's going to be a whole bunch of things that are dividing people that have never really sort of had been dividing people before. Totally. And uh, it is an issue. It, it, you know, I have a funny story. Um, and I'm assuming that you're referring to how do we handle this within the context of a uh, close family or yeah. intimate relationship. Yeah, ex right? exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like when you find yourself on a, on the opposite spectrum of some, some sort of world changing things here. And it doesn't really yeah, matter. Yeah. And, I mean, it doesn't really hit home until it's of a, you know, a Maybe. spouse or a romantic partner or a kid or yeah. a parent or a business partner or things like that. You know, those relationships that, because it is our most important relationships or our most valuable relationships that are the most susceptible to rot. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, a funny story, you know, um, my wife's uh, parents have uh, been married for about 55, 60 years. And uh, unfortunately, her father just recently passed away about a year ago or a couple of years ago. But um it was very funny because he was a lifelong Republican and she was a lifelong Democrat and they used to hold hands and they would walk to the voting, you know, uh, the voting stations together <laughs> and um, they would hold hands and they would make a joke to everybody and they would say, I'm here to cancel out 
her vote and she's here to cancel out my vote, you know? And it was like, they had this wonderful marriage and um, they were completely on the other side of the political spectrum. And in some ways, it feels like those days are gone. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting at, exactly. You know, like, it, it almost feels like we're at a point in society where um, you can't have an amicable relationship when there's such polarization of ideology. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. Now, that being said... My general philosophy regarding, you know, marriage and commit, committed relationships is that your your these relationships supersede your you know, these relationships. In my opinion, should supersede your your world position. You know, people don't get married so that they can um, uh, take sides in a political debate. That's not why we're getting married. Right. I'm not choosing my partner because, you know, they agree with me and unnecessarily on politics. I'm choosing my partner because this is the best person who I think is going to, who I can have a relationship with, who I can connect with, who can raise my children with me, who can establish a home, who can love me and that I, whom I can love. So in general, you know, my tip is don't talk about it. If you find yourself in a place where talking about it is going to bring up um, stress and arguments, don't talk about it. And just, you know, it's unfortunate, but there are things in our lives when we have a partner that we can't, that we're not on the same page. And as long as those things are not um, core principles in what your marriage is about, then the general perspective that I have is that if you're going to bring up something which is going to cause a fight, don't bring it up. Yeah. It's, that, it's basically that easy. Um, on the other hand, there are certain people for whom politics is their entire, um, their entire being. And for that person, I would be stuck. And I wouldn't know what to tell that person other than, you know, it could be that if, if this is so much about who you are as a person and you cannot get over this and you cannot see beyond it, oh my gosh, my wife is a liberal. Like I can't, you know, she, there's no way she could possibly raise kids if she's a liberal. I mean, if that's where you're holding in your mind, then you're in between a rock and a hard place. Yeah, that makes sense. I think from a, from a perspective that's, not too far away, not in the past, but I, like Darren seems to say here a lot on the show is, you know, politics has become pop culture and it's invading everything. So if you stick, stay, stay away from the general definition of politics for a second and go towards more of like it, it's seeping into pop culture. Like, let's just say, like, let's say in the current paradigm masks, for example, like let's say, cause you talk a lot about families and kids and all that, like massive, uh, ideological differences of kids wearing masks in schools. You know, it's not really, it's become politics in the media for some reason, but this is really about like what's happening in the world that you might have completely different views on that are affecting you directly. So it's not just about not talking about it, but it's like, Hey, what are we doing about our kids? Right. Right. 
That's a that's a really good question, and and I've seen it go. Um, let, let's let's take it in my opinion a step further, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so masks are one thing. You know, I don't think it's a big deal for one of the parents to just you know cave in. You know, yeah. and when it comes to masks, okay, because you know it's inconvenient and this and that. But what about some of the more um, really pressing issues, in my opinion, such as the different types of sex education that's being offered in, in public school today. Yeah. You know, or um, the idea, you know, some of the stuff that the kids are being exposed to in terms of anti-Western philosophy. Yeah. So that's not something that, you know, it's not easy for a parent to just say, oh, okay, whatever. Like, especially when it comes to the sex education, that could be a really big sticking point. And it, it, it actually, you know, whether or not we're going to send our kids to private school or public school or homeschool becomes like a really big problem today. Because oftentimes it's not just about what's the better education. Oftentimes it's that there's one parent who will rather lay themselves down, prostrate themselves on a train track and get run over rather than allow their kids to be indoctrinated in some of the ways that the public schools are teaching. So things become a lot more heated and really hot under the collar between couples when it starts getting to places where it really goes against an ideological core belief. Have you guys seen that? Like, have you, do you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, that's a great example. I mean, there's a bunch of teachers in the States that are afraid to show their, or, their, or they said they don't want to show their class to the parents because the parents were pushing back so much and saying, what are you teaching our kids? So it's really coming uh -huh. to the forefront now with this online learning because the parents are getting kind of a sneak peek into the classroom that they didn't oh, have yeah. before. <laughs> true. Very true. That's really funny. Yeah, I do have a couple that I'm working with that that's like a big issue. And now they're able to look inside the classroom and they're able to see what's going on. And for some of them, it's frightening. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, yeah, well, I, mean, I mean, what do you think, Darren, being a father? I mean, are you seeing this, not necessarily an ideological split between you and your wife, but what about what you think X, for your kids teaching right. and stuff, you know? Well, I mean, we luckily, me and my ex-wife, well, we don't get along about most things. We did <laughs> always get along about, uh, about, uh, School, school and, and the kids and stuff like that. So it's, it hasn't been a thing that came up. We got along about, uh, we, we, the same ideal, ideologically aligned on, on education and on vaccines and stuff like that. So it hasn't been too much of a problem, but I've had, you know, a ton of people reach out to me about how they can bring it up to their husband or to their wife, because I get a ton of people constantly sort of a steady stream of people reaching out to me for vaccine advice. Cause I kind of went through the whole vaccine journey on the show over the years and, and <clears throat> kind of talked about, talked about it the whole way through. And uh, I don't give advice. I just sort of point people in the direction of, of, maybe some places that or some resources that I found valuable, but you know, my advice is that every person's in a different situation and a different vulnerability and it's none of my business. I just shared my journey on the show and my feelings and my opinions 
which I probably, you know, sometimes shouldn't have, but either way, um, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. Well, I think I think you're trying to say that they're having a struggle at at even a deeper level. Then, so it's not just about yeah, like, sex education. There's other all these other things that uh, medical decisions. Yeah, medical right decisions now are, now are, are huge. Yeah. Have yeah. have got to be big. I mean, um, vaccines. I think yeah, I get a ton of people email me about the vaccines. I you know I'm trying to convince my wife. I'm trying to convince my husband. How blah blah blah. And that's that's one that people get super super emotional about. Yeah, I don't blame them. I mean, it's a, you know, you know, as a, as a marriage counselor, my general perspective is that like usually there's one person that feels stronger about it than the other, you know, and I try to ferret out, you know, who's the one that really has, you know, a, 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 an attitude that just cannot be overcome, you know, and then and if it's okay with the other person, like we all have to give in a little bit. You know, there's nothing we can do. I mean, there's, you can't, you can't do half vaccine and you can't have both that va- yes, vaccinated and not vaccinated. You, one person has to win that conversation. Yeah, yeah. You know, so do you want to, it's like, I would ask each person, is this something you're willing to lose your marriage over? And uh, usually at least there's at least one person in the relationship that says no, no. Yeah. And then, you know, do you but try then does that become a point of resentment? Um, it could be. I mean, hopefully not. You know, when, when a person realizes that they're doing this for their partner and they're doing it for the relationship, um, I, I, I would hope that they are capable of doing it wholeheartedly. I mean, that's what I work with them on, you know. It's like you're gifting this to your partner. It kind of goes into your podcast that you did on um, surrender or submitting to your spouse. I like mm-hmm. the way you put that where it's it all submit has such a sort of negative connotation, but it, it's really just um, it doesn't have to be negative, right? It could just be for for other reasons. Maybe you can sort of tie that into your show on that one. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's a great one. Um, I've got a couple podcasts on this Um I, I once told this in one of my in one of my articles on my website. I did I did share this idea of submission and um, surrender. And I always I tell the story when I when I first got married uh, when we had our first baby. So we used to walk back and forth from Temple in the winter time in New York, and it gets pretty cold. Okay, it doesn't get like Edmonton or wherever you guys are from. God forbid, you guys are pretty close. <laughs> Calgary, right? Uh, but it, it gets cold, you know. And I used to always get into a fight with my wife because you know the baby would start crying, and I would say, "Let's bring the baby, you know, let's let's just let the baby cry. It's only a fifteen minute walk, and we'll get home to, and you can nurse the baby." You know, my wife used to want to stop the stroller every four minutes, and you know, play with the baby in the stroller to get him to stop crying. I couldn't stand it because it would just delay the entire trip home. <laughs> anyway, it's crazy. I mean, every guy and woman knows this. I'm not the only one. Everyone's got the same thing going on. Anyway, um, so I said to my wife, okay, that's it. We're going to go to the rabbi, and we're going to ask him what to do. So he says to me, he said, uh, do you trust your wife? I said, of course I trust my wife. Do you think she's a good mother? Of course I think she's a good mother. So he said to me, um, 
if you trust your wife and you think she's a good mother, then um, you must listen to her when it comes to the baby. Everything she says. Yeah. And I was just like, wow. Like, what about equal rights? Like, <laughs> I thought Judaism was like a patriarchal religion. Like, I thought I was the guy with the final say, you know, like what happened to that whole thing, you know? And uh, is that why you went to the rabbi? Because you thought he was just gonna, he was just gonna, gonna say sign it, co-sign, it, co-sign your bullshit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, I guess the idea is that the idea is that we all have areas of influence and spheres of power, and um, and we need to know. You know, it, it's it's a privilege for us to be able to give over authority to um, others when we can acknowledge or we can respect their expertise and their um, wisdom in certain areas. And that's what the rabbi was explaining to me is like, when it comes to a young child, you know, your, your wife is much more in tune with the baby than you are. So we're going to leave that up to her. And you may have all your logical reasons. He was saying to me, and it, it may be true that you can get home faster but your wife understands your baby, yeah, and therefore you have you have to you have to surrender to her, and uh, and then from there it just shifted my whole understanding because it's not about power; it's about surrender isn't about power. Surrender is about a privilege of having people in your life who you can count on that know better than you, and then you willingly want to give them a certain level of authority over you so that you can they can help you make good decisions. Yeah, I love that. I mean, and you can tie that example into the world, some of the worldview stuff we were talking about. I mean, maybe one of the partners is is just um, stuck in a um, paradigm that they've been in for a while, and the other one's done a whack load of research, and maybe that's time for somebody to surrender to their trusted partner that's done enough research one way or the other, you know? I... <laughs> totally. No, it really is true. It really is true. Uh you know, I can tell you in my home, you know, my wife was involved in this coaching program that was essentially, you know, she, you get involved in like these coaching schools and then like you join all these Facebook groups Yeah. and a lot of the her people there were really left wing, liberal, wealthy kind of college PhD women who were all doing this coaching thing. So her Facebook feed was full of all this left wing stuff. And that's the only news she got. For years. And of course, I'm more conservative. And it was like, you know, it was almost like we were seeing the world through two different eyes completely. And it took me a while, but eventually she, you know, began asking me my opinions on things. She's like, okay, this is what I'm reading here. What's going on? And she gave me that, you know, that respect where she'd allow me to kind of explain it from perhaps a more middle of the road to a little bit more right leaning perspective. And then she gained an appreciation and respect for that. So. Yeah, that's fantastic. Sounds like Graham's talking more about mansplaining. (laughs) (laughs) What the hell is that? I don't know. (laughs) It sounded like it when you're, when you said you should just, Succumb to the fact that I've done more research. <laughs> Not me, just in general. It could be anybody. Just... 
It does ring true with my girlfriend and I, though. When we do, like, she, she'll she ask me my opinion on things because she's getting certain information from family or friends. And, I mean, my my sister and, and my mom, too, the same thing. I mean, I do feel like... Uh, I feel like in my in my immediate circle of support, there's a lot of ability to go back and forth and and talk to each other and ask questions. I feel grateful about that for sure. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, that's that's very nice that that uh, you know you feel like you have that ability to share and to be heard and yeah. and to hear. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, as the lot was the lockdown good for business? Uh, <laughs> uh, people have experienced such wide variety. You know, probably the biggest issue that people were having that that came to the fore was like, how do I function in the house with my partner twenty four seven? You know, and I don't know. Did you guys feel that way a little bit, like a little claustrophobic? With well, your we, we didn't really ours didn't really change that much because um, we kind of kept working all the way through. And, uh, like, especially Darren, I don't think Darren's life alone. changed much at all. I live alone most of the time. I don't live with my girlfriend. So it's like, uh, we weren't crammed in together or nothing like that. Uh, I enjoyed the extra time I got with the kids. And yeah. so I wasn't, and then Graham's in this dynamic where his girlfriend's out of town a lot of the time, right, so right. he's not crammed home with, so yeah. we, we were both kind of oblivious to all that sort of stuff. But I do feel like tensions are still higher for everybody, you know, with all the, everything sort of ratcheted up. I feel like all of, someone just put a couple of ratchet straps around the fucking planet and just cranking them up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, did you guys know people who lost their jobs and stuff? Like, was yeah. that a big yeah. thing? Yeah. yeah. Still that, right up to now. Like, really I had hard. a buddy who just lost his job yeah. last week. Yeah. And that's wow. what I'm trying to tell people is that I think we're still, like, you know, like the the first lockdown was like the splash, but there's a whole lot of rippling to bounce around still. And I think the, the fallout is just sort of starting. I would agree with you. Uh, you know, there's a mall that's a couple blocks from my house, and we just drove by it today, and there's so many signs on the outside of this huge mall, like vacancy this and vacancy that. And I haven't been inside, but I can't imagine that half the stores are still there. You know, I mean, it's yeah. been six months already, yeah. you know, and yeah. more than that. So um, I don't know, I kind of feel like. What I've been working with on couples when they are kind of crammed together or living together is, and this may be, you know, if there's anybody listening that this applies to, um, the number one thing for me that helped me and some of my clients was the idea of setting up a routine. And that's really, really important, especially a routine around your wife and kids. So, so for instance, when I wake up in the morning, I'll connect with my wife for, I don't know, five, 10 minutes. We'll just talk about our day. And then we'll talk about what we're going to do that day. And then I go work for three hours and then we have lunch together, you know, and then I'll work for another five hours and then we'll gather for dinner or whatever else. Then we'll watch a movie at night or something with the kids. But, you know, the idea of constantly being available and each, you know, you bursting into her room and her coming into yeah, your area. Yeah. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Right? You're going to go you're gonna strangle each other. 
Yeah. <laughs> and so setting up a routine really makes a big difference. And it can actually be quite beautiful, right? Because you know when you're going to see each other and you're looking forward to it. That's a great point because I've, I know people that have been working with other people from home and they, and they're, the people from home have both parents now working from home with three kids, for example, and it's a disaster. Like they can't even focus on their job for 20 minutes or a half hour. There's kids running around and they're supposed to be sharing those duties. So I think that's really, really good advice. Just that, that routine, whether even if you're both having to juggle kids and working from home, maybe setting certain times for that kind of thing where you can just have a couple hours on your own with no interruptions to get your job done so you can keep paying the bills. I mean, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's that important. Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. And then to show respect, you're showing respect to your significant other. You're showing respect to your partner, right? You're respecting their time and they're respecting yours. And the kids also learn respect. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Where's Chicago at? Anyway, are you guys like allowed out? Yeah, you know what? We haven't. It's really not that bad here right now. Um, we always have to wear masks whenever we go into almost any to any store. So any store, we have to wear a mask. Can't go grocery shopping or to Home Depot or anything without a mask. Um, but the restaurants are open, so people are actually going to restaurants and eating in restaurants, which is really nice. Um, I went to Planet Fitness the other day, and um, you can exercise without you have to, when you walk between machines. <laughs> just to show you how cuckoo this whole situation is. So when you're walking between machines, you have to have your mask on. But when you're sweating and huffing and puffing and breathing all over everything because you're running, <laughs> you could take your mask off. I, I mean, it's just, it's just it's so ridiculous. Yeah. You know? Um, I feel like these companies have been put in a difficult situation. They they, they all have to sort of handle it on their own based on these governments pressure, the government's pressure. I, I feel like it's really challenging for people. And yet, and the things are permanently changing. I mean, look at Hollywood. My, my girlfriend was saying she was watching uh, one of these talk shows the other day, and the, st- the stands are literally filled with TVs with people online. Like a oh dystopian gosh, game show, right? Like the shot of the audience is a bunch of TVs with people, people's faces who are somehow oh, allowed, so could, like, zoom allowed into onto the, prices, the Zoom. Right? Yeah. Creepy. Oh my I mean, it's just, it's just creepy. Like they're willing to, yeah, they're willing to go to that level of change for this. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's just, it's crazy. It, it, I wish it, I could really get on the prices pretty right. I really do. <laughs> but probably now it's pretty much easier, right? Because you don't even actually go there. Well, I'd still have to go there to spin the wheel, wouldn't I? Oh, um, they're going to be a contestant. A <laughs> so here's the thing with the prices right, you used to be able to go there. And then you'd be like sitting in the audience and they'd be like, come on down, Darren, you're next. I wonder how they're doing that with the Zoom. They just do it online. You get to spin a rigged wheel. wheel, A virtual wheel is rigged. It was probably rigged up. It always gets to zero. It was probably rigged already. (laughs) So have you taken your talents to like, um, I mean, there's got to be a lot of of, um, friction in the corporate world as well i mean it's just got to be a totally turbulent time for a, a, 
seems like it's a huge stress on all relationships. I know people in my life that are having trouble with intimate relationships, people are having trouble with personal relationships, people are having trouble with professional relationships. It just seems like, um, you know, your phone must be ringing off the hook. Well, it definitely, definitely. I do get a lot of inquiries and calls and, you know, people do need help and so many different, so many different ways relationships can, can fall apart, you know, and that we can all have so much stress. So, you know, I happen to be like a romantic at heart. So I'm, I'm, I lived in the corporate world for many years and I, don't really have, I know it's very lucrative and, you know, you can charge a thousand dollars an hour to, you know, help a couple of people get along and not, you know, a CEO <laughs> and the CFO, but uh, I'm not that interested in that kind of stuff. I like, uh, I'm, I like, uh, I'm a romantic, so try to bring peace between husband and wife. That's what I like to do. Do any of the, does that stuff, because in my experience, a lot of that stuff seems to be scalable or transferable, or it seems ultimately at the end of the day, all of the change is more internal than external. Totally. I mean, you know what? That's, that's the number one go-to in any type of personal transformation and relationship transformation is how much responsibility each person is going to take. You know, that's the key to successful uh, marriage counseling is to get each person to realize that the relationship is up to them, each individual. And uh, that's, that's a toughie, you know, because people don't, almost everybody comes to me um, pointing their finger. I, I have had some, like, there was a few women that came to me. One woman walked into my, into my office and she says, I'm a bitch. I really need you to help me fix this. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, wow, you just saved us about three or four sessions so that I didn't have to explain that to you in a roundabout way. <laughs> now that we're there, I'm sure I can help you, you know? Um, but almost everybody comes in and we're all the same in that way. We, we all come in thinking that, you know, if only the other person would do X, Y, and Z, our relationship would be so much better. And, uh, and and that would be nice, but it's usually not feasible. So, is there some core principles that that people can that you could teach people that before they get to your office, even like if people are having troubles right now, and there's some ways to sort of internalize some of the stuff or to to look inside? Sure. What are some of the principles that you would tell somebody, like for for that woman to realize that oh my like oh my god, I I really am being a bitch, or you know, and then she comes <laughs> in like, how do people get to that point? Yeah. Um, there's a few things. One of the most important things is I'll give you two. Um, one of the most important things is that you fell in love with this person for a reason. If the person was all the things that you're saying that they are right now, you never would have fell in love with them. You're not that bad a judge of character. Right. You didn't by accident marry a mass murderer. I mean, that's not what happened over here. You married somebody who is loving, caring, loves you, wants to be with you, connecting, you know, uh, fun, spontaneous, whatever the words are that you fell in love with that person for. And if you're no longer feeling those things, then that's the problem. 
you know, that's that's what we have to look at. Why aren't I, what's going on with me yeah. that I'm not feeling those things? And that brings into point number two. So, so, so point number one is, you know, you know, your partner is probably nowhere near as bad as you're making them out to be. That's number one. And then number two, um, which leads right into it is, let's talk about all the great things about your partner. Let's, let's write out, let's think about, let's connect with the wonderful ways that your partner does show up for you. Now, this doesn't mean that you don't have problems and it doesn't mean that they're not being a jerk in certain ways and it doesn't mean that they don't have issues and that they aren't showing up properly. But between those two things, you've got a lot of room for, for growth right there. Is that is that second thing more of a metaphysical thing, like focusing on the positive will bring you more positive? Is there a more about to just get you to acknowledge acknowledge that? Exactly. Well, those two things are very connected. Once you acknowledge it, you see it. Yeah. I have this. Um, I have this guide that you, you know anyone who goes to my website, you can download a free um, e guide on um, creating amazing appreciations. And it's basically a, a guide that I'm teaching you how to express yourself to your partner in ways that let them know that you see them and that you appreciate them and that you recognize them for the things that they do. Um, and the first step, I, there's three steps to it. The first step is to notice. And everyone gets stuck on this very first step. It's like you read the paragraph of the two paragraphs I wrote about that, and it's like, they get people get stuck because the first step is to notice the things that, that your partner's doing. <laughs> Most of us, I, I, it's funny, but you, I, when I say to people, like, give me name five things that your partner does that you appreciate, and there's like a huge silence, you know. <laughs> but once you train your mind to see the positive, it could be anything, it could be the way your wife talks to the kids. It could be the way that she makes the bed. It could be the way that she gets dressed herself in a respectful way. It could be the way she you know, reminds you of a doctor's appointment that you had. It could be the way that she is responsible with money. And maybe if those aren't exactly the ones that work for you, there's thousands of things that your spouse is doing that is worthy of um, adoration and gratitude. But you have to be able to see it. If you can't see it, it's not going to help. So that's like a huge thing for people just to be able to see. And then it goes directly to what you said. Once you see it and you acknowledge it and you let them know, of course it's going to bring more and more positivity to your relationship. Transformational. Yeah. That's a fractal for life, too. I was just, just going to say like, that. The positive reinforcement in business or life. Yeah. Yeah. Just being grateful mm -hmm. for life, you know, doing those gratitudes from time to time of just all the things that are great in your life seems to give you more things. Whether it's just you noticing more things to be grateful for because you're being cognizant of it or whether the universe is actually you know, rewarding your gratitude is, is an argument for another day. Well, I think the direct result of using positive reinforcement with other people is that they will automatically start doing things that get positive reinforcement instead of things that get negative um, where you know, does, reprimand. Where does the, uh, where does your religion fall in on that sort of thing? <laughs> 
Sure, sure. Well, um, there's a phrase that says, Kamaim hapanim alapanim, which means just like your face is, your face is reflected, the, the same face that you put to the water is the same face that is reflected back. Yeah. So the way you show up in the world is the exact reflection that the world has back to you. Yeah, there's that's a, interesting. A, yeah, so there's a physical component, like Graham was saying, like the more you do, the more they're going to feel good. But there's also a spiritual component. When you relate to the world in an upbeat, positive, can-do, take-nothing-for-granted, appreciative way, then the world opens up its blessings back to you. Yep, interesting. And that transcends other religions and new age and new thought and all kinds of oh, uh, yeah. things as well. Yeah. That's the secret well, we, to yeah. most of the religions yeah. and the secret. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what? The reason why they all say it is because it's probably true. Yeah, yeah the <laughs> thing is that most of them the, is that, and probably the religions aren't as guilty of this. I mean, a lot of them have sort of been hijacked in a lot of ways by it seems by capitalism or by whatever the fuck we've got going on here. <laughs> but, but the, the, the pillars of them are still sort of there. Yeah. And that's something that I, that I think that's really sorely missing in America as well. You know, like when, I don't know if you guys have seen this, what's been going on with the Ruth Gator, Ruth, Bader Ginsburg, um, all the reaction videos. <laughs> Watch that stuff. <laughs> Have you seen any of these reaction videos? You know, she died uh, and like. Yeah, I thought they were fake at first. <laughs> I mean, this is indicative of of a. It feels like a spiritualist or a godless generation. Yeah, yeah. Because there's, you know, tragedies become real tragedies when you don't believe in God. Yeah. Like if you don't believe that there's a purpose for this and that the purpose is for your good and that we're moving in a positive direction, although it doesn't feel like it sometimes, then anything negative can become explosively negative. Doomsday negative. And that's what you see. You see these people have complete total meltdown. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I don't even think that has to be God. I mean, um, from the religious perspective, God works, but I think for some people that might have been government or capitalism or, you know, love or relationship. Or I think people can sort of find that it's it's kind of finding finding something greater than yourself to sort of be here for. And uh, yeah, yeah, or it's like a purpose. I mean, I love the way the alchemist sort of spins it in and, and kind of treat and kind of treats it as your purpose. You know, it's like when, when you can find your purpose or find whether it's find your purpose or find purpose in what you're doing is kind of one of those keys to happiness. Yeah. Now the only thing, and if, if, if you want, we can have a little bit of, do you mind if we have a little bit of a spiritual conversation? Yeah, let's, do it. let's do it. Yeah. So the only the only area that I would challenge you on is that, uh, and, and and I'm totally into like purpose and you know the Victor Frankl man's search for meaning and I get it and like that's very very important. Um, the only 
difference I see from what I'm saying versus what you're saying is that part of almost every religious doctrine, and it may not be the case for Hinduism, and I'm not sure, is that the the world is is constantly moving in a improving better way. Everything that's actually happening is happening for your benefit and for your good. So we're not we're not kind of just like um, finding our purpose in a world where we have to create good, even though we do have to create good. But the, everything that's actually happening might not feel good all the time. But a religious person has a foundation of knowledge and belief that anything that happens to them is for their benefit and coming from a God who loves them and wants only their best. And that helps like when things, negative things happen. In the past, people who were more steeped in religious belief had a, a, had a foundation of security that even though it might not feel good right now, it really is good. There's a silver lining there or something will present itself or you'll see the meaning in it later, that kind of thing. That's one level. On a technically, on a, on a deeper level, it's not about the silver lining. It's it, that thing is good. Right. It's not that it's going to lead you to a good or you will find out the good. Although that's true. You may only find out the good later on. But whatever's happening right now it itself is good. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. I, I can see that. Yeah. That makes sense. It kind of, it kind of stops that whole emotional reaction in a way because you're, well, it stops you from taking things personally, which I think kind of some people are tapping into from the new age perspective too, where they, with the, I mean, the, the whole, the whole collective consciousness thing is really just a different spin on Christ consciousness. I mean, Christ consciousness was sort of the, it seems like to me anyway, sort of the beginning of that mm-hmm. was when people kind of went from, from Christ, the person to Christ consciousness to now it's being, it's not sold, but it's being packaged more as this collective group consciousness, which now some science is starting to, to support, I guess. Amazing. Is that kind of where Judaism comes at it too? Where does like where does the is there sort of that collective we're all one in Judaism as well? Of course, of course, God consciousness—the ultimate expression of God consciousness. I know it's going to sound like a little bit um, a strange idea, but I think you alluded to it that the ultimate expression of God consciousness in the world is when. It's just obvious that there's God consciousness in the world. <laughs> when everybody is talking about synchronicity and the secret, you know, do good and it'll be good. When everyone's talking about, you know, the benefits of uh, pay it forward, when everyone's talking about the benefits of tithing and charity and like not just spiritual benefits, but like it actually works like in, as a societal, you know, thing, then that's the ultimate expression of God consciousness in the world. Because what we're all basically saying is that God's reality totally makes sense when we just live our lives like regular people. 
So do you think, do you think, where do you think that's sort of, sort of forked off? Where has, where has religion separated from spirituality? When did that happen in your estimation? I'm not mean, I'm, I'm, I'm generalizing, obviously. I'm not saying that's happened in every case, but it seems like if I was supposed to take an average, you know, the average Christian is you know, really only a Christian for while they're in church, probably. And and I don't mean like a literalist Christian. I just mean on on maybe like just how they're living their lives or behaving on Facebook or I don't know. I just feel like in a lot of ways religion has kind of become more of a a token or a badge or a set of rules or a way to control as opposed to what, I mean, in my opinion, sort of they, they all sort of stem from a, a place of love and connection and caring for each other and, and whether, whether, or not, whether or not you believe in the, the God or the goddess or the higher power, whatever the, the, deity. Certain, the deity that the religion is selling, it seems to me that with or without them, I mean— most of the the stuff is promotes sort of unity and fairness and helping each other and that sort of thing. I mean, there's some weird stuff in that first testament. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, yeah, hundred percent. Really weird stuff. Yeah. But I mean, my buddy Dave Matheson would argue that that's because it's all based on it's all allegory for the stars, which is another interesting thing I, I wouldn't mind maybe getting your opinion on. That stuff I don't know. I can't really speak to that. I don't know what allegory to the stars means. <laughs> he looks at like a lot of the stories in the Bible as being... Well, and all, re- all religions. And, and like, yeah, he's the sort myths, of the old all myths. of the old myths, and he goes through a few of the religions and goes through their sort of main tales and how they relate to sort of some of the different figures and the zodiac or the constellations and things like that. So uh-huh. he, fi- he finds a lot of crossovers with, let's say, the constellation of, um, and between a bunch of the myths too, yeah, and yeah. a bunch of the religions, just how much how much correlation there is along all of them. Really fascinating. Yeah. yeah. So do you do, a lot going do you think that like there's obviously this war on religion in in the states, especially there's a there's a you know, this paradigm of materialism and atheism that we seem to be living under yet most people that you know or love realize there's something more and there's, there's the, you know, whether it's extended consciousness or there's a religious aspect or a spiritual aspect to our reality yet we're living under this, like the thumb of materialism still. And there's a war, there's an overt war. It seems in the States against Christianity. I mean, are you in the, in the Judaism, isn't religion seeing some overflow from that or like, is it affecting you guys at all? Well, of course, a hundred percent. I think it's going to sound a little crazy and you probably won't have me on again, but no, 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 it's all um, good. <laughs> you're my buddy, David. You like... can, you're always welcome. <laughs> I know. Um, I feel like this entire situation that we're in, can be couched as um, a, a battle between God and not God. Yeah. 
is basically what's going on. Yeah. Um, there's a, you know, it, but what's interesting is that on some level, um, both sides uh, are actually crying out for God. I know this is sound crazy, but, you know, from a conservative right, a little bit right of center perspective, you know, we appreciate some of the more conservative perspectives because they're more, let's just say, in line with the Bible and with, you know, more conservative and perhaps more religious perspectives, right? Yep. But the left actually is in their rebellion against these principles. They're actually showing, in my opinion, their belief. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, their their belief yeah. in the principle. Yeah, yes, because they're not they're not neutral; they're anti. Yeah, and when you're anti, that means that you're acknowledging the original principle. Like even the way they treat Donald Trump, I know this is this is really off the handle, but here we go. It is my contention that on some level, the left. Is treating Donald Trump like God? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because they literally blame him for everything. Let me ask you two gentlemen something. When something goes bad in your life, like really, heaven forbid, something goes really bad, who do you blame? Graham. <laughs> well, okay. I blame God. Right? Like, I, I, if something's horrible going on in my life, I I know that this is coming from God. Right, because everything that happens to me comes from God. So I look up at, at the sky and say, you know, what do you want from me? What's going on over here? You know, why are you doing this? That's interesting. Right. That's interesting. Uh, you know, I've used that sort of analogy with because I'm not convinced democracy is great. You know, and I know that's an unpopular opinion, but <laughs> we've got this crazy mob rule thing going on where you know we just got to get. You know, in a perfect world, 50%, it's probably not that. And we've kind of got it messed up with representatives and everything else. But even just that, it's like basic definition of of mob rule when it's all pretty evident that we can't trust the, can't trust the mob. So, um, you know, it's almost like sometimes I wonder if we wouldn't be better off just having a, a dictator that we could all just blame for everything. And it's like, yeah, well, fuck Trudeau, you know, fucking Trudeau. You know? It's, like, it's not the conservatives' fault or it's not the liberals' fault or it's not the Republicans or the Democrats. Or the, We're stuck blaming each other right it's, now. Yeah, yeah. it's or, just fucking buddy. It's fucking. Well, I mean, I think what David's saying is that that's what's happening down there with the, you know, the, the Trump derangement syndrome is they're actually treating him yeah. like a god and blaming him for everything. Exactly. But shouldn't that well, make the world a better place? This, well, take a look at how, how, how what's going on with COVID, right? Yeah. It, it, the way they speak to him about it, it's as if it's, it's, it's literally as if it's his fault. Yeah, like he wished it upon the people or something. Well, yeah, 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 I mean, yeah. The guy, the guy gets into all, he's a businessman, you know, a, a real estate tycoon. He gets to become president. And he's doing whatever he can. And I'm not going to get to argue whether he could have done things differently, this and that. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But the conversation has nothing to do with it. Exactly. The conversation is like, the conversation is like, well, 100,000 people died. 
you know, what, what, what did you do to stop it? I mean, and then he goes on and explains what he did to stop it. And they're like, well, but 100,000 people died. And I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, well, I mean, you could, if you want to say to him, that wasn't the right move, maybe this was the right move, that's fine. That's a reasonable thing. But to, to keep coming back at him and saying, well, 100,000 people died, but, but how can you say that when 100,000 people died? But, but how can you, as if, as, if, as if he could stop, he's like, God, like, it's his fault that 100,000 people died. Like, he, like, even one person dead was because of him. Even though you know it happened, I mean? even though it, it went, it rippled throughout the world as well. So there's there's missing context from all sides. They're blaming him for everything, everything, everything. It's not even just COVID. Everything. See, that's why I think they they almost want him back in. <laughs> they almost want. They seem to be losing the battle on purpose. That's what I they're told just, you a long they're time just ago. allowing they violence. They're just lying crazy. through their teeth because they want them back. They'd be crazy not to want four more years of ultra distracted public. <laughs> I mean, they're just robbing the place and nobody's even, they're taking the fucking money right out the front door and nobody cares. Oh, yeah. Orange man. I can't bad. even We're orange man good. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not blaming the left. Because it's either orange man bad or orange man good for like 85% of the country. <laughs> so nobody's watching the cookie jar. Right. 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 There's anyway. a couple of people watching the cookie jar and everyone says we're fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, do you, I mean, you mentioned, you mentioned, um, not God, you know, a battle between God and not God. I mean, do you, is it a, cause I, I, I can't help but come to this with the, with the overt symbolism. And I mean, I, now I'm going to sound crazy, but that's okay. Um, with the overt symbolism, I mean, were you close to saying the devil or demons or, you know, something else? I mean, the, it does feel like a really high level spiritual war is going on right now. And it feels yeah. like it's also war of freedom versus control. Um, but that could be, I, I'm not, I'm open to that being an illusion, but it feels like it's a real spiritual battle happening right now. Yeah. Yeah. Now in my, in my religion, we're not the, the devil by us is not an independent entity. The you know, devil is just merely another angel yeah. that does God's bidding. So it's not like there's, we don't really. Well, what's the what's no, the for, what's the dark force? The dark force is just the absence and the rebellion against God. Right. Okay. That's just why. That's why you God. said not God. Yeah. 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 <laughs> literally, yeah, exactly. the absence of God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So that's what I feel like. I feel like that that people when God created humans, he God a human being is comprised of two two components: a soul and a body. The body is the part of us that does not acknowledge the creation of the, the existence of God, because the body is connected to the physical world, and the body proclaims its own independence. Like you're independent, you don't even you don't even somebody told you that you came from your mother, but you yourself have no recollection of having been come from your mother or anything like that. So you you look at yourself as you're a completely autonomous, independent mm -hmm. creation. Your soul, on the other hand, is intimately connected with the infinity of the, of the of creation, which is God. That's your soul, right? So there's always that battle that's going on between the body and the soul. And God has had a great sense of humor. So what did he do? He took a soul, shoved it in the body, and, you know, sent you on your way and said, you guys, you figure it out. 
you know? So we're really, that struggle is just so apparent. You know, there's a certain group of us that are saying, hey, you know what? God consciousness, we're souls in bodies, and we want to, like, you know, get, get on board the truth train, you know? And then there's another group of people that are saying, hey, you know what? We're, we're bodies. We're bodies that, that we agree that we have a soul, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not subjugating my independence to a higher power. You know, I'm not going to give up my uniqueness to become part of, you know, God consciousness. And in my opinion, the world is obviously moving closer towards God consciousness. And that's why they look so extreme. Right, right, they look yeah. so weirdo. <laughs> they look like they're crying over nothing, which is the truth is that they are crying over nothing. Yeah, that's the problem with that I have with the materialism, and 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 maybe you could throw atheism in there as well. Is that I think there'd be a lot more meaning in the world if people realized we were all connected, and there was something mm-hmm. else. There was a greater, a higher power, a greater good, or whatever. Yeah. Even if it's not, you know, a religious god, there could be, you know, something even evidence-based that means more than just materialism. I mean, I think we're really stuck in this paradigm that's that's forcing people down this this path. Yeah, but if you think about it, that was a great point you said that we're all connected. If you take a step back, and you would ask me about this before, spirituality versus materialism, or I forgot exactly the way you phrased yeah. it. Um, but we are all connected. See, again, the physical world now is beginning to mimic the spiritual world. On a spiritual world, we're 100% all connected. Now, in the physical world, we're beginning to see that exact same phenomenon manifest. Yeah. I mean, I'm old enough to remember that when I was in college, there was no internet. Yeah. There was no, I mean, I tell my kids that I traveled throughout Europe. Without a phone. Without a cell phone. Yeah, yeah. I I went to the grocery store the other day without my cell phone, and I was like hyperventilating, thinking, oh my gosh, my wife's going to tell me that I I forgot the onions or whatever it is. I I traveled for months and trains and hitchhiking throughout Europe with no phone. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I had to find a I had to find a payphone in Greece to call home at a certain time, you know, to get a message yeah, exactly, to get a message exactly. from the other guy that was gonna call hopefully so I could meet up with him, you know. Yeah. It's amazing, right? Yeah. And look at the world now. We yeah. the world is mimicking God consciousness. So just like the in the spiritual sense, what we do in the physical connected internet world affects other everybody else, just like in the spiritual world. Hundred percent. Yeah, wow. And you see that more than anything. It's amazing. You, something goes live on Twitter, or goes live on Facebook, or goes live on Google, and the whole world knows the blink of an eye. <laughs> yeah. You, we learned about some false about idols, what maybe too. Do. What's that? What's that, David? I was just saying. Just think about this 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 burgeoning of the Zoom culture. Yeah. You know, like you literally are face to face with people all over the world. Instantly. Crazy. Yeah. You're going to say to your kids, oh, I remember when people used to get on planes to go to business meetings. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> Without masks. <laughs> Without <laughs> masks. And first class, is, is, you know, a $6,000 ticket to Europe so that they can sit in a business conference. Yeah. yeah. You know? 
Sounds funner. And then, so then it makes you wonder what that, all that attention and connection is, is doing to, to, to people and to, to society. I mean, yeah. you know, I think for the first time ever, we've had access to all this information, good or bad and occult or not. I mean, it's, it's there for everybody to see. Incredible. And it's scary at the same time. Yeah, and this whole thing with this TikTok thing. When I heard about, I don't know if you guys looked into that at all. Did you guys look into the whole TikTok thing? Um, a little bit. I've, I mean, I've heard, I've heard about it. I haven't really looked into it. TikTok's banned in my household. Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't, don't even do know if, you know it's the extent, but people were. I, I saw a whole podcast or a, a YouTube video or some sort of video on like what the big deal was, right? You know, and somebody explained that. These apps now can, when you get permission, you know, your photo album, your this, your that, what some, a, what a company can do is they can start behind your back. Once you've given permission to the app, right? Yep. So you've given them permission. They can start storing all your photographs over the internet in their database that's on your phone. Yeah. And then they create what's called a social profile and like this, I hate to, this is total conspiracy theory, but like this blackmailable file on you. And um, I mean, I wouldn't want all my WhatsApp messages being made public. I wouldn't want all my text messages being made public. You know, it's not like there's anything there that's really that bad, but it's private to me. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And um, once these applications can start taking stuff from people, then it can be used against individuals. It can be used to silence them. It can be used as a threat. It can be used as all these different things. So it's like. Yep. They can be used to sell you your greatest desires. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So it's like, you know, there is dangers in, in, in this interconnectedness that we have. You know, there's definitely some danger there too. It's, very interesting times we're living in. Yeah, yeah. Well, David, an hour has flown by. Where can our listeners track you down? I know you're on Twitter. I can't remember your handle off the top of my head. It's easy. It's David, D-O-V-I-D, Feldman, F-E-L-D-M-A-N. It's pretty easy because I'm the only David that's around there. Um, and that's David Feldman at, is at, you know, at Twitter, at David Feldman, or I'm on Instagram at David Feldman, or... You can always go to davidfeldman.com, my website. That's like a lot of blogs and podcasts. Yeah. Can you mention also some of the other stuff you do? Like, so your relationship repair and how you can, people can actually get a hold of you for help, right? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So once you go to my website, you can see I have a whole bunch of programs. Um, One of them is, my favorite one is a couples workshop. And it's a really great program if you're having, if you're struggling with, if you and your partner want to come for, for great therapy. I don't do couples therapy the way every many other people do it. So I, I do not have the, the husband and wife or the boyfriend and girlfriend sit in the same room and fight with each other while I'm watching. I don't do that. So that's not going to be, it's not going to be happening. Uh, I meet with each one individually, you know, through zoom or through the phone and we work out whatever issues that you guys are having as a couple. And then, um, you know, I can really help, bring together some of the outstanding problems that you're facing. Um, that's for couples. And then for individuals, I have like a six session program where 
Uh, we work on your ability to show up if you're a man. We work on your ability to show up as a leader, um, more masculine. Uh, we set goals and we teach you how to love your girl. Um, and if you're a woman, so um, I focus on uh, appreciation and gratitude and uh, learning how to be more loving. Uh, and it's just a great, it's, it's wonderful to take that time to self-reflect and to improve yourself in that area. So yeah, that's all on my website. Fantastic. Yeah, I'll put all the links to that stuff in the show notes. And I'm really glad we got a chance to talk about all the spiritual stuff as, as well as relationships. I think it was, it was, it was fun. Yeah, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. I always enjoy chatting with you gentlemen and learning new things too. So that's great. Right on. Thanks a lot, David. Right on, David. Have a lovely evening and I'll catch you on the <laughs> Twitters. Sounds good. You take care. Okay. Bye-bye. See ya. Bye-bye. And that was a chat with friend of the show, David Feldman. What do you think, buddy? It was good. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun to finally get David on the show. We talked to him on the 13 questions there. It must have been almost two years ago now. I can't believe that. It's crazy. Time flies. And you're but then fun. again, there was an election in 2017 in your eyes in Canada. So, you know. 2019. Yeah. <laughs> that was the one I wrote. They're all fascist. Oh, that was the other po podcast, too. Yeah, yeah that was the one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have the picture of it. You could just take the picture in your phone and you'd find it. Anyway, sorry, that was another show. I didn't want to get But it was good to, to get, a, get the uh, perspective of somebody in Judaism that helps people in relationships and listen to a few of his podcasts are great. I'll link to all the stuff in the show notes. Totally. He's a fantastic cat. Uh, check out his stuff and check out our stuff. Check out our support page. If you're getting some value from the show, um, what sort of value it's adding to your life? Is it worth the price of a cup of coffee or your Netflix subscription? Or maybe you still got cable. I don't know. Maybe it's not worth anything. Maybe you just head over to grimerica.ca slash support and poke around for a bit and decide. Maybe you'll just come up with a number. You can do it monthly. You can do it one time. Whatever you do helps because we really can't keep things going around here without lovely supporters like you. Yep, you bet. And the uh, good thing to do, we're almost getting to 1,000 reviews on iTunes, so a little push there. If you can't afford to help the show, review the show. You can Share sign up to the newsletter. That's another milestone we want to reach. As well as uh, subscribe on our YouTube channel, which is just really to for us streaming there. It's not like we put a lot of attention and intention and on the chats. that. It's more Grand of a platform. Slash chats. Yep, join us in the chats. I think we're almost up to a thousand people in there, so you can find oh, us. Oh, right. Yeah, there's that too. Yeah, you can find us in all I think those fabulous four, places. There's four things, four months. A thousand reviews, a thousand supporters, a thousand people in the chats, and 10,000 YouTube subscribers. Yeah. Are all coming and close. Not, you know, those aren't huge numbers, but it's all fun. So, we thanks for listening. We will see you next week. The
revolution has still got a pulse We need to revive it and make it a reality I've hacked into a politician's password To transfer money to several overseas accounts And as we speak, a supercomputer project is in the works And if it works, we'll use it to point and click our way to some sort of truth Either you're in a route, are you game? Or is the game over? This must be a glitch in the matrix. This must be a glitch in the matrix. A revolutionary dream. It's over since the machines. Go! Watch out for them laser beams. Climb to the top of the pyramid scheme. Capitol Hill's getting steeper and steeper Meanwhile, the deck gets deeper and deeper Don't get comfortable, free diggers Cause it's gonna take more than hand and eye coordination on your PlayStation It's gonna take mind elevation There must be a glitch in the matrix There must be a glitch in the matrix A revolutionary dream It's no versus the machine Against the machine Don't get comfortable Free 